Ready to stop trading time for money and build a business that can scale? Then you're in good company. This is the Productize Podcast, where I chat with entrepreneurs who've transformed their businesses using the Productize service model. I'm your host, Brian Castle. Want to learn my best strategies for productizing your business? Then get my free crash course by going to productizecourse.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, hey, back with another episode of the Productize Podcast. Today, you're going to hear an interesting and pretty inspiring case study that comes from my friend Greg Hickman. Uh, He iterated through two different productized services businesses um, before hitting, before like really hitting his stride with his current business, Systemly. That's at system.ly. It's a done for you marketing automation and funnel building service. So, in this interview, uh, it's really a wide ranging conversation where you're going to hear Greg's very first steps and uh, the tough but the correct decision to uh, sunset his first business, if you will. I'm not such a fan of that term, sunsetting a business, but I I don't know. I I wrote it in here for some reason. Anyway, you're also going to hear how he quickly launched and then gained early traction with his next iteration and how he actually leveraged his personal network to land his very first customers. Finally, you're also going to hear how he's growing really, really fast, by the way, beyond 20K MRR, monthly recurring revenue, in less than six months. So pretty impressive stuff. We're going to get right to that conversation with Greg in just a minute. Now, today's quick tip when it comes to productized services is systematize the creative tasks too. Now, when we talk about systems and you hear about systems and standard operating procedures and training your team to and, and starting to delegate the work, what often comes to mind are those low-hanging fruit tasks, you know, like the mechanical kind of step-by-step, click this button, copy and paste this, press send on that, post this here, you know, very uh, easy to delegate, easy to, to build into a system. That's the kind of stuff that's kind of the low-hanging fruit. But then what, what, what about the creative stuff? What if you're offering some kind of design service or a development service or some kind of like analytical service? You know, for example, in, in uh, Greg's business in Systemly, which you'll hear about in just a moment, you know, they're, they're doing funnel optimization and, and actually building out brand new marketing funnels, which requires, you know, quite a bit of um, analysis and understanding of, of strategy, marketing strategy, uh, along with the, the technical aspects. So the, the tip here is that these creative tasks can be systematized too. Um, now, that doesn't mean that the output is going to be exactly the same every time, but the process that you go through to produce um, that output can be standardized and streamlined, just like anything else. Um, you know, for example, in, in my business in audience ops, what we do is blog article writing for our clients, and every article that we that we put out is completely unique. You know, different topics. Um, we're writing for different audiences. You know, uh, we're we're making different you know different creative points, and so I've built a team of highly talented, uh, creative, experienced writers, and and they use their creativity to create those art- articles. But we have a very specific and ref- highly refined production process where every article is is drafted up in Google Docs. We've got templates for how to format articles. Every article gets you know uh, the same kind of treatment when it comes to um, enhancements like content upgrades and um, social media enhancements and whatnot. So all of these things can be standardized and and managed and and you know brought through some kind of production line in a very standard, methodical, streamlined way. Um, you know you want to get away from 
doing completely custom work and doing and using different tools and different methodologies and different processes every time and you want to focus on a standard process even if that process requires you know some creativity or some uh, analytical work you know uh, you can get talented individuals to join your team and fill those roles that doesn't have to be you and that kind of relates back to working on the business not working in the business so that's today's tip the creative tasks can be systematized too and now let's get into today's conversation with Greg Hickman. All right, I'm here with my friend Greg Hickman here for uh, another uh, case study interview. Greg, how's it going? Great, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Cool. So, um, you know, you and I have been uh, interested in productized services for for quite a while. I th- that that might be <laughs> might be how you and I actually met a, a year or two ago, and and we've been yeah um, actually in a mastermind group together these these past few months, which has been awesome. Um, so it, it's been really cool for me to to hear kind of the behind the scenes story of of your evolution, both in your current uh, business called Systemly, system.ly, and we're gonna hear all about that and we'll definitely dig into the uh, the nitty gritty of, of what you guys are doing there. Um, but that, but Systemly was not your first uh, productized service offering. Right. You, you had a different one called Mobile Marketing Engine, so we're gonna kind of hear how you iterated from one to the next. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, looking forward to digging into that. Cause I, you know, again, as you and I were talking before this, I, I know that a lot of students who are going through, um, the, the training and, and just people that I talk to, this is so common, you know, um, iterating and, and trying different versions. And I, I've done this myself so many different times. So I think it'll be a really good, um, really good case study here. So, I mean, why don't, before we really even dive into all that, why don't we just get a quick backstory uh, on yeah. kind of who you are and where, where did you come from before you did all this? Yeah. Um, so basically I came from, you know, marketing background agencies out of college um, and early on got involved in mobile marketing um, in 2005, which was even, it's early for mobile still, but it was like really early for mobile then. Um, and I really fell in love with it and worked for some small agencies that represented big brands and kind of started acquiring this this skill set and knowledge in the mobile space. And um, when I kind of came across, you know, people like Pat Flynn and, and those folks that were creating audiences and podcasts and stuff like that, um, I didn't see anything about like mobile in that world. So I was like, oh, maybe that can be an opportunity for me. And I started a podcast called and, and blog called Mobile Mixed, and um, it was really how people were mixing mobile marketing into their existing strategy. And I had no idea what I was doing with it. I, was, I mean, an audience started building. Um, I was able to get speaking arrangements through kind of me just talking about this thing that nobody else had really been talking about. Yeah, I remember when um, I first met you before we even started you know, talking and, and meeting, yeah. I, I had seen your stuff online a little bit. And I just remember thinking like Greg Hickman mobile, like, yep. He's just known for mobile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, a lot of people are like, Whoa, what happened to mobile? You know, I mean, I get emails like that to this day. Um, it's as of recently, obviously it's been kind of funny. Uh, we could talk about that too. It's like kind of even just, how do you get rid of that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, which I don't actually have an answer for yet, but, um, Basically, I was I was you know building this this audience around mobile people that were interested in mobile, um, and uh, you know I didn't really pay attention to it too much because I was like trying to create digital products and all that stuff. But most of the revenue was coming from at the time like three or four customers that I was doing service for, 
um, which at the time was pretty productized. I didn't really know what product the word productized or anything like that, but we were managing like their text message marketing program. And when I kind of had some ups and downs with the digital products, um, I kind of looked at what was working and I'm like, oh, well, what's working is the service. Like, why don't I go all in on the service and just try to scale that? And that's kind of in that decision-making process is when, when I kind of came across you and, um, and the concept of productized services. And well, thanks to you obviously, because you're like the, the go-getter on, on that whole movement. <laughs> um, so that's when I was like, okay, like how do I take what I'm doing for these four or five customers or whatever, actually probably like three customers and like scale this. And I had rebranded mobile mixed into mobile marketing engine. Um, and you know, went into 2015, um, you know, we're recording this now at the end of 2015. Um, so late 2014 into 2015, I'm like, I'm going all in, it's going to be mobile market engine. It's going to be the service. I'm going to productize it. And, um, and so just to know, be clear, like you were, you were kind of offering mobile, uh, kind of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it like text message marketing campaigns? For, for small yeah, businesses. that was primarily, that was the main thing we were doing. I mean, it was a little bit of strategy, like coaching involved, but basically at the end of the day, we were helping retail businesses. Like brick and mortar. Uh, build a, yeah, yeah, brick and mortar, build a database of mobile numbers that um, through text messaging that they could use to drive repeat traffic and sales. Um, so very much like an email newsletter, but a mobile newsletter, so to speak, um, and help them you know build out that channel and use it to drive customers. Um, so. so as so at you, it's the beginning of 2015. You're starting to kind of run with this idea of, uh, you know, kind of productizing that idea of doing, you know, mobile campaigns for for small businesses. Um, obviously, you, you iterated away from this business into Systemly, which we'll get into in, in a bit. But like, yeah. what were because you were plugging away on on mobile marketing mm -hmm. engine for a little while, so you, it, it wasn't like a complete failure like you had paying clients right. and everything and, and you yeah. were you, you were doing okay with it but what were kind of the challenges um that you started to face as 2015 started to roll on yeah so um yeah we were at at its highest point i think it was a like 7k a month um and uh that was with me and just a va like one person that was helping me um the the challenges came um in the length of the sales cycles. So um, dealing with small business owners and the fact that I'm, I was kind of selling something that to them in a lot of ways was already foreign and they had never even heard of, there was this gap between the small business thinking that they had a problem or knowing that they had some sort of problem, knowing what mobile marketing was and what it meant and then having to connect those two together as like mobile being the solution. So. You know, I definitely think I got lucky early uh, in the year and got a couple customers and, you know, through outbound email and speaking at a couple events, but then it kind of plateaued. And, you know, that's when, like, I was really trying to dot, create systems in the outbound sales process, um, which I did. The problem was, like, the calls, the discovery calls that I was getting, people were just still so far away from even understanding what it was that it turned into like really long sales cycles. And when dealing with small business owners with price points, you know, 500 to a thousand bucks a month, like it was just 
created like the, the I was putting in so much time and even when I landed somebody like there wasn't even that much financial reward yeah. for how long like I've been trying to pitch them right that was kind of like the main thing and and that I mean you, you had well you you had uh, identified a problem and a solution that that could actually drive results for them but the gap was that the business owner didn't didn't necessarily see that problem even though they, they may right experience it and they and they would benefit from the service it from their perspective they're not valuing it it's not a high priority exactly. for them so exactly yeah so like that you know the product market fit was kind of was kind of off because they didn't they didn't really see the need for it yet because they didn't they were like oh we don't really have a problem and quite frankly a lot of them because it was so new and just brick and mortar businesses being so behind as it is like a lot of the people that I would deal with were like, this sounds interesting, but I don't even have like email yet. Like, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, oh my gosh, like the, even the assets that we would have needed for them to be successful, like they didn't even have those in place because mm. mobile is very integrated with other business, like on other marketing channels. So like to kick off the growth of your mobile database, like you leverage your email database, like mm -hmm. you leverage people coming into your store. So like when brick and mortar stores are already struggling to get people in the store, it's going to be hard to build your list. When they have a no email list, it's going to be hard to build their mobile list. So yeah. like there were a lot of there were a lot of things going against me. There were more things going against me than going in my direction. Um, and then the, the second level of that was for the customers that we did have. Um, I felt like we. The interesting thing is like between systemly and mobile marketing engine. We have so much work now with Systemly that I'm way easier able like able to identify what needs to be systematized. Whereas like there just wasn't enough workflow with Mobile Marketing Engine ever to the point where like I was super clear on what needed to become a system and what and what needed to be more productized and what didn't. Yeah. Because like there was enough time to do all these things and there wasn't like a hundred requests a day where I could say, oh, look, like I'm being asked the same thing yeah. 20 times a day. Like I need to systematize that. Like yeah, that wasn't exactly. happening. So like it was only so productized that it could be. Um, so like that was a problem too. Like I didn't, I felt like I was just productizing to productize, which, you know, didn't really make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I guess that that starts to lead into this next question, which was like, how did you, how did you get to this realization or, or kind of the decision process to finally say, okay, mobile marketing engine, it, it might be time to kind of sunset this or shut yeah. it down and, and look for a, a totally different thing, which ultimately led you to the systemly. I mean, I've been through this so many times myself where it's, you're working on something and you have paying customers. That's the hardest thing about this. It's not like, I, I would love if I just launched a landing page and like zero people signed up for it and then I can just easily say, nope, didn't work, moving on, you know, but but this wasn't that, that kind of case. Uh, Greg, did I lose you? Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm sorry, you just were chop, chopping there for a minute. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the case. Um, you know, revenue was good. And the, the biggest thing was that I'd been hanging my hat on this like I'm the mobile guy thing because I'd been doing it for a decade, you know? So like that was even more of a challenge. Like the money was less of a concern. I was like, how do I like pivot off of this thing? You know, those were definitely questions I was asking myself, you know, and when I step, when I step back, I'm actually really thankful that I didn't like dwell too much on that because 
like I kind of saw a much smoother transition. Like when I was in the moment, it felt smoother than when I step back and look at it. I'm like mobile marketing service to sales funnels and automation. Like what? Like how are those even connected? Um, and what happened was I was using Infusionsoft myself to help create some of the automation and systems in and how I was delivering the service of mobile marketing engine. And I was really like, I, I was interested in automation and all that stuff. Um, so I was a user of the tool that now all of our customers are using or most of our customers are using. And um, I was interested. So I actually ended up going to get certified in it because I felt that if I learned it better, that I could create more systems and more automation so that I'd have more time to do sales for mobile marketing engine. And you know, coming out of the certification, which was June of 2015, um, I, I was like, okay, like I really like this. And I came across a mobile marketing automation tool. So like the text messaging tools I was using, there's like this new tool that came on the scene that like, was mobile marketing, like text message automation with like mobile landing pages. I was like, sweet, maybe I can use this to deliver the service um, for customers. And like, it'll be like, there was some, some kind of flashiness to it. It integrated with Infusionsoft. So I'm like, oh, sweet. Like it integrates like for people that are using Infusionsoft, um, like it could even be like on more steroids. And I kind of saw these two tools, uh, Mobit, which was the text messaging one and Infusionsoft. And when you combine them, like you were able to, any any business could literally deliver and create programs that were similar to what I was doing for Cabela's when I was the head of mobile for Cabela's before I ever started doing kind of my own thing or leap or took the leap, so to speak. So I'm like, wow, a small business can do exactly the same level of programs at a fraction of the price if they just use these two tools together. Right. So I was kind of like, okay, I need to understand Infusionsoft. I'm understanding this tool when I combine them Hey, small business, you could be like Cabela's. And that kind of got me in the door a few places, but still it was just like such a long sales cycle and plateaued. Um, but, and, but it helped you really dig into Infusionsoft and, right. and get certified and, and that exactly, sort of thing. And yeah. what, I mean, what I love about this transition is that you're leveraging, you're still leveraging some of the byproducts from the previous business and from your experience and your unique yeah position your unique insight you know that's that's one of these things that i that i always look to I, even when i look back on my own path places where i kind of went off the path a little bit is like trying to reach for something that i'm just really not experienced with it does it just right. doesn't make sense yeah. um cool so so let's talk about the the launch of systemly so now yeah. we're, we're recording this in december 2015 we're about six months into it or, or so um, yeah i mean so around june so it's actually june um, no, it was July 10th. So um, I'm also the co-host of a podcast called Zero to Scale, where we've been tracking the journey of this business being grown, um, as well as my co-host Justin, who's also in our mastermind, um, and his business Lead Fuse. And on the episode, he kind of challenged me. And this was, I believe the episode aired on July 10th. Or it was right around there, because I remember it was like right after my birthday, which was July 9th. And we basically came to this conclusion that, okay, well, how do I validate this idea? Like we're preaching like how to validate these things, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, all right, well, if I can get two customer, two customer, two to three customers in the next 30 days, I'll give this idea some more attention. Um, and if honestly, if it weren't for Justin and like kind of 
everyone that was listening, like making this public, I probably would have not have done it. I don't think I would have done it. So I went out and I leveraged my existing audience who were people that were building online brands and stuff like well, that. Well, let me, let, me, uh, let me just stop you real quick. So yeah. we'll get right into how you got th those first two or three customers. Yeah. Just to, so people have a clear understanding what Systemly is, yep. can, can you describe like what's yeah, the Yeah, for sure. Bit? So um, it's basically a productized service where we deliver done for you sales funnels and marketing automation support. Um, it kind of stemmed from the idea of being like WP Curve, which most people listening will be familiar with, but for automation. Um, and that slowly has, that's how it actually started. You know, like I very much mimicked pricing everything um, and learned a lot in those early stages by actually delivering the service, um, which is now nothing like WP Curve. And you were kind of so, focused on Infusionsoft at first, but you've also branched out into Drip and ConvertKit. Yeah, and I mean, we have like, we literally have one customer on Drip, one customer on ConvertKit. So like, it's still a very small population um, from within our customers, but I feel like it's gonna just become, it could potentially become more. Um, and it's really just automation in general. Like yeah, yeah. Kind of as I'm agnostic. learning more of this stuff, um, you know, I want to be one of the teachers that teaches it in a way that it doesn't really rely on a particular tool. Because like you can do a lot of the same stuff no matter what tool you're using. So um, while the Dumb for You service right now focuses heavily on Infusionsoft, like the evolution of the business, I think will incorporate some training and stuff, which will be tool agnostic. But Next yeah, I mean, so. it was like okay, I'm certified in Infusionsoft. I'm connected to people that use Infusionsoft, so like I'll start there. Yeah, cool. So, so that that 30 day challenge, right? Yep. What What were your very first steps from there? Yeah. So I was like, okay, I need to get two to three customers in in 30 days, um, and I basically went to the people that I already knew that were using Infusionsoft, and you know, one happened to be someone I was in a mastermind with. Um, Another one is another person I was connected to um, that I knew was using Infusionsoft and was building kind of multiple businesses. Um, I went out to like I basically leveraged my network, and through that I ended up getting. Uh, I always forget if it's seven customers in six days or six customers in seven days, but it was one of those, and I was like. Wow, like so that's like double your goal in like yeah a fraction of the time, and, and, it, and it happened in probably a week and a half. Wow. And I was like, holy crap, you know, like this was like this is like a thirty day goal, and like I've doubled it. So like you know, the pain is real. What was they, the what what was like the pitch? Like, how did you reach out to them? Was it just kind of describing in an email? Yeah. So um, because I knew some of these people, um, I said. Um, you know, hey, like, can we hop on Skype? I want to tell you about this thing I'm doing. I want to see if you're interested. And I basically pitched it as a beta program. And I said, hey, I'm in, this is what I'm interested in doing. You use Infusionsoft. Like you said, you don't want to be responsible for doing it all the time. Like you'd rather focus your efforts somewhere else. You know, this is kind of came up in the conversation. And I said, I want to offer you, done for you, unlimited Infusionsoft support and services for the next three months. Um, here's what you'll pay. Um, here's what you're going to get. Um, know that I'm going to be asking for constant feedback. Yeah. So I basically said, hey, let's hop on a Skype call and, you know, I'll kind of share what I'm thinking. And I basically said, look, like you've, you've in this call, you know, we've talked about their use of Infusionsoft, things that they like, they don't like, what are the pain points? And I said, 
you know, if I were to offer you an unlimited Infusionsoft support service at, you know, this price, which at the time was like, what depending on who I was talking to, it was two ninety nine or three ninety nine a month. Um, would that be something you're interested in? They're like, um, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, so how about this? Uh, I'm gonna run this program, it's three months. You commit to the three months. Um, and at, you know, during that time, I'm gonna be asking for your feedback. What can be better? You know, what don't you like? Um, is this something that you even are gonna need? Uh, and then at the end of three months, if you are liking it, um, like we have the opportunity to discuss, you know, a, a potential price increase or decrease for that matter, if, you know, we realize that that's what, it, what needs to be done. So I basically got, you know, approval on all of those. And, um, you know, I got those six or seven people to, to commit to this three month agreement um, at one of those prices. And at this uh, point, did you know, obviously you're, you're leveraging your own network, people you know, mm -hmm. um, friends, contacts and, and whatnot. Did you did you have a sense of who your target customer for the business would ultimately be like? And like, would, would these people actually fit that profile? Um, yeah, so, I mean, the people that I was talking to were all people building businesses online that primarily were selling some sort of digital product or membership site, running webinars, um, and in some cases like coaching. Um, but there's definitely a digital product component to it. Um, so that was kind of like, those are the people that I was connected to and those are the people that I knew that were using Infusionsoft. So those are the people that I, I went after first. Um, and quite frankly, those are the people that interested me the most. Um, yeah. Because those are the people, again, that I've been building, like I've been building relationships with these types of people for two and a half years and I've had nothing to offer them. Like they weren't interested in mobile. I was going after small business brick and mortar. And like, you know, the word Infusionsoft comes up and they use it and they're like, oh my God, like Confusionsoft. Like you can tell that it's something that they're already thinking about. They've spent money on because it's not a cheap tool and they've invested in consultants already. So it's like all of these factors like line it up that it's like, okay, like this could be a good fit. Yeah, like so and, it is a high urgency problem for them. And I, I look at Infusionsoft or Drip or just email marketing in general as such a central tool, especially for yeah. someone selling in information products and building an audience, like that's their whole business. It's all about their email list and, and automation, so. Yeah, and you know, the other thing that aligns really well with that audience is that, you know, the entrepreneurial crowd, at least that are a lot of people that are building these personal brands around their content, their experience, like they understand that and have the passion to not be the one doing everything. And so like they know they need some level of help. They're not necessarily going to go, you know, build a 50 person company, but like they are looking for help so that they can spend more time on their strengths and or just not working, you know? Um, so not only does the fact that it's like an unlimited service, you kind of have now a partner in this align with that, but the concept of marketing automation in general is all kind of about how can you save time and like essentially make money passively, like by leveraging these systems and you know follow-ups and all that stuff. So like just that in general jives really well with those sorts of people. Like, oh, if I do this, I can be selling products without ever even being there. Uh, that sounds like something I'd like to do. Um, so it, it just, it, everything, like, the stars aligned, you know, like okay. it's kind of what it was. Um, and that's kind of like, it's 
it was one call closes, you know, like it was literally right. like, here's this three month thing. Are you in? And they're like, yes. And like the first six or seven people I talked to, not a single person said no. Yeah. Um, so I, one of which was, so I'll t- let me say two things real fast. Yeah. One was someone that I knew that just told three other people. And one of those were the customers, not the person that I knew. Hmm. And then, um, Amy Porterfield, who is a friend of mine, um, she has two private Facebook communities and she, said she'd post a message. Hey, like if anybody in here is using Infusionsoft, like my buddy is doing this beta program. It's a sweet deal. Like you should definitely check it out. And like two or three of those, the the customers came from just that, that Hmm. one post alone. Nice. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's good to kind of know the, have contacts with with such influential networks. So uh, that's awesome. And, um, okay. So I, in a minute, we'll we'll jump into how you continue to grow your customer base because obviously you've grown far beyond just the first six or seven, um, and what you're looking ahead in terms of sales and marketing going forward into 2016. But let's let's now dive into the service itself, and even like in those first three months, and then after that, like how did you evolve the service? Well, really, the question that I have that I think a lot of people have right now is the word unlimited, right? Like yeah. unlimited support tasks. That's pretty scary. So how do you make yeah. this thing work and, and how is it profitable and that sort of thing? Yeah, so like I said, I you know, I pitched it as unlimited one request at a time, which is what WP curved. Like I literally like leveraged their stuff. Um and without kind of no kind of knowing it but not knowing it, I I hyped that up in some conversations and didn't mention it in others. Um mainly actually from feedback from from Brian Harris um, of videofruit.com and he like really just like a couple of things he said to me was like pick a freaking price and offer it and see if people buy and go through the service and you might find out that you don't even like doing the service or you might find out that like you're going to find out okay this is too high or too low based on what you're doing or and you're gonna learn those by having to do it. And he's like, are you gonna lose some money potentially because you're spending a lot of time on one customer? Yes, but like, you're not gonna know what's gonna work and or what is gonna be needed until you just start doing it. So yeah, that was a pretty similar approach I, could, I had with uh, with Restaurant Engine because we, we were also offering yeah. like unlimited done for you updates to your to your website. And um, and I, I always had that question of like, how do you offer unlimited? And you know, the answer was, you know, we have a lot of requests in the first couple of months. And then after that, it's mostly like set it and forget it. So it's, yeah, so, um, and that's kind of what we saw too. Um, and, you know, it was hard though, cause it, you know, I just kept telling myself, you know, I'm, while it's not as much money as I want to be making, it's like, this is going to help me figure out what the service really needs to be. Um, and what I am going to either like or not like doing. And like exactly like you said, like a lot of work was happening up front. So the first change we made was that we added a setup fee, which um, started at a thousand bucks and then went to 1500 and it's now at 2000. Um, and then they go into one of the monthly plan. They go into the monthly plan, which at the time was only one. And everyone else after I brought like two people on a 299 and then I quickly raised it to 399 just to see if I could sell it at 399 and I had no problem selling it at 399 so it went to 499 and I kind of hovered there for a while and now I've added more plans so like I've only just recently added a 999 and a 1499 plan um, the 1499 is mostly price anchoring um, but like the last three or 
three or four customers have been on the $9.99 a month plan. Nice. Um, so yeah, like it was all upfront work. So I was like, okay, like we need to be compensated upfront for this. So that's when I quickly decided and seen how, how kind of, although it's systematized, there is still a lot of customization in that upfront process. A lot of the scalability and like kind of the, the systems were coming later. Um, so that's why I'm like, okay, the whole like WP curve model isn't going to work here. Like the, the customers are way more needy up front. They need a call or two. Like we need to dive in and assess a bunch of things. Like it's not, it's not going to, it's, I don't think it's ever going to be this $99 a month or even, you know, $199 a month service. Right. Um, especially with at the done for you level. And I think that's a good lesson for people because I, I know a lot of people who look at the WP curve model and, and yeah. apply it to other things. And it's really just a matter of it's a totally different market and a totally different yeah. problem being solved. I mean, Word, you know, WB Curve does done for you WordPress tasks, you know, support tasks for your WordPress website. And that's a totally different thing. I mean, if you own a WordPress site, you're spending probably, you know, probably six or seven bucks a month on hosting and you paid 50 bucks for a WordPress theme. Mm-hmm. And, and that was your investment up front. And, and the support service was 69 or 99 bucks a month that that's a good value proposition but in fusionsoft it's like what is it like two thousand dollars up front a couple hundred a month just to use the yep. tool and yep. so these are a, it's a much different market much different price point yep so it, it just makes sense to kind of charge more and it, it's it's also more involved type of support yeah yeah and like that while there is a handful and a handfuls of the stuff that we're doing is like troubleshooting and all that stuff um, you know, it is more, it, it, I guess I'm not a WordPress person, but the amount of things that you can do in Infusionsoft, like when you're troubleshooting, like there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot more holes and places that we could, rabbit holes that we could be led down, led down, making it harder to troubleshoot. But more importantly, a lot of that upfront work, like involved like theory, like, okay, what's the logic behind how this thing works, how someone moves from this opt-in form to being segmented into this list based on these behaviors. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like this plugin is broken. Like there was like legitimate, like I was wireframing diagrams and like, you know, you had to think through some of these things. So like at 99 bucks a month or even 299 a month, like I don't think it would have been as successful at least without that setup fee, you know, maybe with the setup fee and the rolling into something like that could be, could be possible. But it was kind of in that point when I realized, well, one that I enjoyed some of the kind of the theory and, and that part of it. And I realized how powerful it was. Um, but I started listening to the customers and more things came out that led me to where I'm at now, which is like trying to work with probably around 30 to 50 customers, 30 to 40 customers, I think is going to be the real sweet spot. Um, and just have better relationships with them and like really become a partner of theirs, like where we know their business, like they have like a dedicated account person. Um, so like they're always asking questions to someone that is always learning more about their business versus like a help desk sort of uh, style. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just came from the types of feedback that they were giving us. But also, like, even though they would email us at, at support at, you know, systemly, they would always reference one of our names. 
So I, at the time I had Lisa, like, oh, well, I still have Lisa. And she was kind of like the first main person I brought on. Like, even though they're emailing it, like they were building relationships with one of us. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, like that's, and I, and then I asked some of them, I'm like, do you like that? And they said, yes. Like, yeah, I, I like, see the I same thing like, with, uh, yeah. with audience ops where we have, you know, our hello at audience ops email address and most of them are talking to cat, you know, so yeah. it's, it's cool. Um, that, that's, yeah, actually so that's a good, kind of, uh, that's, that's kind of helped guide us, you know, and I think just kind of having open eyes, open ears and also be willing to ask, like, I mean, I've gone back to our cust our existing customers a lot. Like when I wanted to raise pricing, I brought on like three of the ones that I know I have really good relationships with. And I was like, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Like does this feel right? Like, what are your thoughts? And, you know, it was definitely putting myself in a vulnerable position, not only because you didn't want to have that conversation with a customer, but like, I also know these people really, really well. Like in some, like some of them were at my wedding, like that I'm like having this conversation with, like they're paying me and they were at my wedding, you yeah. know? And so it's kind of an awkward conversation, but like I got really genuine feedback and that feedback has been kind of what's driving, you know, driving a lot of this forward. Awesome. So, how, so let's get into how you actually deliver the service and how you've started to remove yourself and bring on your teammates. Yeah. Um, one of the key. So I have a couple questions here. Um, well, okay. So, so who was your very first hire a after that initial thirty-day challenge? I, I assume at that point it was kind of just you. You probably yeah. had a VA or something on, on board already, but yeah. it, the whole thing was brand new. Like, who was the very first hire within Systemly? Um, so, well, Niall, who's been my VA for two and a half years, I mean, she doesn't really know anything about Infusionsoft, so she wasn't really able to help um, that initial stuff. Um, so the first hire was Lisa, who um, I literally probably interviewed about 40 to 50 people, uh, put a you know job posting up on Upwork, um, and interviewed a lot of people, uh, and thankfully came across her and, and, and the role that you were looking for was was what like like implementation specialist okay so she uh, already knew infusionsoft yeah okay yeah, cool. actually she's she had been using infusionsoft for like eight or nine years like basically since infusionsoft was in existence she's been using it so nice. like she like she's a ninja when it comes to infusionsoft like i go to her i'm like can you double check that i'm doing this right sometimes and she'll like you know she teaches me new stuff all the time um, nice. so like, so grateful that I found her. I mean, I interviewed a lot of people to get to her and she was literally the last person that I interviewed. <laughs> I was about to hire somebody else and then she applied to the position and I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll interview, I'll interview her. And I'm like, oh my God, you're the one. <laughs> um, <laughs> awesome. so she came on and you know, I brought her on. She's technically full time now in, in her eyes, I mean, 30 hours a week, um, because she only wants to work 30 hours a week when she she said she'll give me 40 but like I didn't start her there mm -hmm. um, and this this feedback came from uh, from Justin in our, in our mastermind so I brought her on I said hey look here's the deal this is where the business is at this is how much money we're making um, I can give you two hours a day five days a week uh, guaranteed at this price point which was lower than her hourly uh, but I'll guarantee you that I pay you this um, when we hit this this much in monthly recurring, you'll double it, um, and then the next threshold is you know this much a month, and this is what your hours are going to be, and and here's when I think I'm going to get there. So like I kind of gave her a roadmap, and she was on board with it. She liked the transparency. She liked 
the diversity of stuff that I was going to be able to bring her. And I like, here are the seven customers that I have and like, here's their businesses. And she's like, whoa, like there's so many different things. Like, even though they're all kind of similar, they all have their own different unique traits. Yeah. Um, so that's actually like, another question that I have is like, yeah. you're, you're implementing some pretty like creative analytical workflows within Infusionsoft. So it's not always, um, step one, do this, step two, do that, step three, do that. So how do you systematize yeah. these, um, th this kind of work? Well, it's, it, it is like that and it's not like that. So, I mean, because I'm dealing with online entrepreneurs, like a lot of them do webinars. So like, there's only so many variations of a webinar campaign you can have, like, okay, you want to send four pre webinar reminders instead of three, like that's not going to change much Other, sure. and they're providing the copy. Like we're not writing copy. So it's like, we are truly building out the shells of a lot of these things and like the logic and they're giving us the content which is, is really helpful for us. You know, we don't have to have that, that level of creativity. Um, but like everybody needs like a webinar campaign. Everybody needs billing automation because they're all, they all have like paid memberships or subscription products. Like everybody needs some sort of like master newsletter. People want to have like nurture campaigns, um, free email courses. Like, so as a certain, the, the productization for us in a lot of ways comes in that with Infusionsoft specifically, I can create campaigns that are about 80 to 90% complete that are like templates and I'm able to import them into my customer's apps. Mm. So like when I'm like, hey, like you're gonna, in, in our onboarding call, oh, you're gonna need a webinar, sweet. Like I don't go build that webinar campaign from scratch. Like I have, now I have a library of probably eight different versions of webinars and we just import the one that makes sense and then drop in the customized content, change dates, you know, those sorts of things. So, Beautiful. Like, so like, I mean, I didn't have that library when I started um, of campaigns. So like taking a note out of your book, you know, I, or course, you know, we created an SOP. Well, one, an SOP for creating SOPs, but then we created an <laughs> SOP for every task that we saw ourselves doing over and again. So here's, here's how to create the webinar from scratch. Here's how to import that webinar into a new customer's app. And here are the, the things that you need to change once it's in their app. Mm -hmm. And so like now we have like a library, I don't know, there's probably like 50 different SOPs and rapidly growing of like, how do you add a product in Infusionsoft? How do you set up a subscription? Like all of the things that we're doing have SOPs. Um, and that was when I was like, okay, Lisa, you're really good at like this high level kind of like creating those templates um, for things that we need to do. And then also like the higher level troubleshooting and also even communicating with customers, like using an SOP, like my assistants can figure out how to migrate a list from Aweber to Infusionsoft. Right, the more mechanical stuff. Yeah, how to yeah. duplicate a campaign, how to copy and paste email copy into a 21 part email series. Like, yeah, so I do the same exact thing in audience ops where like the yep. writers are doing the strategy around research, coming up with topics, writing, yep. editing, and then I've got the VAs doing, setting it up in WordPress, queuing up the email newsletter, social, you know, posting the social posts and, and that yep, sort exactly. of stuff. Yeah. Exactly, so that's been, that's been like huge, um, you know, and, and that allows, because there was this, there was this little threshold of time where like, and I knew it was gonna be a problem, but like Lisa was spending a lot of her time on things that were 
easy tasks, but took a while. Um, that I'm like, someone else could be doing this if they just knew how. So that's like where a lot of the SOPs that we were creating have come into play. And now we're at the point where we, we record ourselves doing certain things. The, the, our assistants build, put the SOP together using our SOP for SOPs. And so like it's done in their own voice so they can, they understand it and they're the ones implementing it. So um, they go through the practice of creating the SOP for us based off of the video, adding the screenshots, all that stuff. Um, and then they leverage it, you know, ongoing. So that's been huge. Um, and that's where it's like, you know, I think, I think you said it, it's like in order for a product, someone said it in order for a productized service business to be like truly successful, it needs to be like 90% systems and like 10% custom. Like if there is anything that's custom, maybe 80% systems and 20% custom. And you know, that percent custom comes from our customers. Like the webinar funnel is the webinar funnel, you know, right. The custom stuff is, are you sending three emails, four emails? What does your email say? Where are the links going to? Yeah. The names of the tags might be slightly different, but we've adopted our own tagging system. So like they're using our tag kind of methodology. So like that part is pretty consistent. Yeah. Even the bits that are, that can be quote unquote custom or, you know, variable, um, even those can be kind of systematized to a certain extent. I mean, for example, exactly. my, my project manager, Kat, um, I've had her build this document, a, a common questions document. So just questions that come up from clients, here are the answers that, that you can answer with. And every time a, a, a question gets asked twice, just add it to this document. So, yep. so that, you know, she has this, this resource and a system for dealing with these like edge cases of, of how to answer yep. questions, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of got us to this point, you know, and I mean, we're at that point. Oh, and then I brought on, so we brought on one more person. So I didn't actually allude to that. So, I mean, over the time, so with those SOPs, my VA who didn't know anything about Infusionsoft can now do a lot of the lower level, like time consuming things like list migrations, duplicating campaigns, mm -hmm. which is helping her learn Infusionsoft. But then I brought on another uh, person from the Philippines who actually had experience with Infusionsoft, probably like a junior, junior level person has been using Infusionsoft for about two or so years. Um, and she's 20 hours a week right now, but probably by the end of January, she'll be full time. Um, cool. And she's actually become another page out of Justin Justin's book. Um, I said, Lisa, you're gonna run. You're gonna be responsible for Jean. And Jean's the new the new person. And now, basically, Jean is almost like Lisa's employee. And like, okay. so she's teaching Jean, and like I'm working with my VA still teaching her and Lisa has Jean and like kind of together, like we're grooming both of these people. Um, awesome. you know, getting Jean to full time, I think is going to open up a lot of, a lot, like a lot more capacity for us. Um, and especially Lisa. Um, so like that's kind of the next step. Um, but like from a forward thinking perspective, like seeing the amount of conversations we're having with customers, I'm thinking like, and for me to like truly step out of the business uh, more so, uh, Lisa, I think can handle probably about 15 to 18 customers, 20 tops. So like having two of her mm -hmm. could potentially get us to our 30 to 40 customer goal. And, you know, we'd have the, like two account, two primary account people, Lisa and someone else, and then maybe, you know, two to four, 
you know, people below that level to, you know, kind of help fulfill a lot of the, the time consuming repeatable stuff. Um, and then I can pop in and out for strategic, some of the strategic stuff, which is where my strength is anyway, and be able to say, Hey, new client, you know, now that we've onboarded you, your primary account person is Lisa or whoever, and kind of make that like, make it a formal handoff. That's yeah. like, that's where I'm at at this moment. Like making that, that handoff. Cool. That's perfect. Uh, perfect transition. I've got two more quick questions to wrap this up. Um, so now, as you said, we're, we're in the present, we're kind of moving into 2016. We're just like two weeks away from that. What are you looking ahead to in terms of, well, let's talk a little bit about sales and marketing, right? Like how are, are you going to grow from, you, you know, grow up to that 30, 40 customer mark in, in 2016, like different from what you did before, which was kind of rely on your network. What's the next step? Yeah. So to be honest, um, I think I can get to 30 to 40 through my network. Um, and I mean, we're at like 14 or 16 recurring. Um, and we've had a couple people pop in and out for like, I have offered some one-off things. I experiment with that here and there. Um, so I, I truly think that like with refer, like having a strong referral system, um, I'll be able to get there and like, light outbound, like outbound into networks that I'm already in, like not like super cold outbound, like, you mm -hmm. know, get buying a list or whatever and cold emailing. Um, and I think the second part is going to really be content marketing. Um, you know, it's a strength that I have that I haven't been leveraging yet because I've just been so focused on the service, but our website just went live that even has a blog on it because it was just, a, it was just a lead page with like one landing page before from July until, you know, basically mid-December because um, I said, you know what? I don't need a website to sell this. Like, I just need to get on the phone with someone. And, you know, previously I probably would have spent months creating content before I ever even tried to sell anybody. And I just said, like, enough is enough. Like, I got to do this. Um, so I was like, you know what? I don't even have a website. Haha, -ha, funny. Like, it was like a, it was like a talking point, yeah. like, because this is what we do. Um, and then so I do think, like, looking at the space of, like, people that, are in a similar space as me or, you know, whether it's direct competitors or, you know, indirect competitors, not many people produce content. Um, so I definitely think like being an educator in this space will help create awareness. Um, and again, it's a strength that I have. So um, that's, I think, between creating a proven referral system, continuing to leverage my network, having the right price and creating content that can draw in some people, you know, if I'm generating, you know, even 20 leads a month, like quality leads a month and, you know, even closing one of them or two of them, like it's not going to take long to get to that 30 to 40 people. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously you have to worry about churn, but like, I don't need a hundred customers every month. Right. So, um, that's kind of like my game plan as it is at the moment. Um, I know I'm capable of, cold email and outbound and I can easily not not easily turn it on but like I can easily adapt that and turn that into something that I'll be leveraging if it is needed yeah. um, I mean that's but, the nice thing about a, about a productized service higher price point you know you can really focus in on the most ideal customers quality customers you know um, and, and you know a sales process that actually works for, for all parties um, yeah, and you know, I had this perception, um, you know, if anyone like that's listening that kind of thinks this way, I think this is important, like, because I had one of my mentors say, 
like, what's your, what's your revenue goal? And I was like, well, you know, kind of my first milestone is 20 K a month. And he's like, Oh, he's like, so you need 10 customers paying you two grand. And I was like, interesting. He's huh. like, or 20 customers paying you a grand. He's like, wouldn't you rather have that than having a hundred customers at whatever? And I was like, you know what? Like at, in, the, in the initial stages, I was like, I feel like I'd be more able to remove myself from the equation if there were a hundred customers versus 20. But now that I'm in the service and seeing how like integrated Lisa is into some of these businesses, I just need more leases. You know, like I don't, it doesn't have to be me that's in the business. Yeah. Like I can have other people that are just as smart as me, if not smarter, be that main point of contact and I can focus on the bigger picture. I had the so, same exact revelation going from from restaurant engine into audience ops. Right. Know? It's a, it's, so, it's totally different. Like that's kind of when I shifted like, you know, a lot of the value that our customers have at least talked about and it kind of brought back to us is how they feel like we're their partner and that we're helping give them ideas as to how their business can grow. And like that is always going to need some sort of like human touch point, human element. And we enjoy it. I enjoy that part. And that allows us to focus on less customers, charge higher because we're delivering more value. And that's kind of where I'm at like that 30 to 40 person. I feel like, you know, at any given, like not all 40 of them are going to need like high level strategy at any given moment. Um, but like when you spread that out across, you know, three, four people on our team potentially, and you know, their ebbs and flows of when they need help. You know, I feel like it's completely possible and completely manageable. And obviously <laughs> I'll find out. Um, <laughs> but everything that has gotten us to this point has just been by like doing it and saying, okay, what did we notice? How can we make this better? Oh, we can charge more. That helps. Um, we can not do API development. Like that helps. We don't do copywriting. That helps. Like right. so, like these little things that we're just like choosing not to do. Um, you know, is constantly helping refine the service. So awesome. Well, Greg, it was awesome for you to uh, come on. I mean, so many uh, golden nuggets here. You know, from the iteration from from the early model into into what is now Systemly. A um, lot of lot of really good insights there, and how you've been growing this thing kind of methodically, starting with your network. Um, you know, into into where you're at now. It's it's really awesome um, to continue to see you, you progress, and and I'm looking forward to seeing how things go in 2016. So um, so you know, for for those of you out there, definitely check out System system.ly systemly and uh, Greg is also the co-host of a very good podcast called zero to scale.com um, is that is that good like where else can people reach out to you is that it yeah that, I mean that's definitely good Twitter I'm at GJ Hickman I'm pretty pretty active there awesome Greg thanks again talk soon thanks for having me man I appreciate it all right thanks for tuning in today get all the show notes for this entire season at productizedpodcast.com and to get my free productized crash course where I share my best strategies for launching and sustaining your productized service business, head over to productizedcourse.com. All right, time to get back to working on the business. <laughs>